Jeff, it's June 1st when we record this, June 2nd. Maybe when you hear this, June 3rd. First week of June in the year 2020. Um, we started It's The Real um, in 2007, 13 years ago. We've been in the hip-hop circles, the hip-hop world, the hip-hop culture uh, for that entire time, two feet down, um, good times and bad. Um, we love this culture and uh, we acknowledge that this culture is one that was created by African-Americans that has allowed us to uh, operate and thrive in these circles. And uh, in these times now, it is never more um, important to amplify black voices, to put on for black people and to um, make the black pain our pain to make the black fight our fight and uh to make the black voice um one that we can uh stand up and uh amplify so that is what we continue to do um one of the first people who ever co-signed us who allowed us to um be in this world and uh and looked out for us was bun b um that has happened time and time again he is a close friend of ours. He's somebody that we care for a great deal. You know, here's somebody who was on the front lines in Minnesota and marched with George Floyd's family in Houston and at an especially dark time. You know, this is, it's, it's always been a dark time, but this is an especially dark one. I think that it was important for us to hear how Bun is doing, um, just on a very basic level, but also how he moves forward, how he feels on a day-to-day basis, you know, how um, how he operates and how he thinks that others should. And so I think that um, it was just really important to check in with him. So now let's call down to Houston, Texas and get on the phone with Bun B. Bun, it's, um, it's, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to see you um, on all the platforms we've seen you, but, um, and, you know, we've texted with you, but we want to hear straight from you how is your heart how is your soul how is your being i mean i i am glad that i'm of physical and mental ability to to be a voice and to be on the ground with the people of america right now um that's about as good as it gets you know for me right now i guess because you know, I have friends like Steven Jackson and there's a rapper down here named Cal Wayne. Cal Wayne is, um, you know, one of the, you know, go-to guys in the CUNY Home Projects, which is where, you know, Big Floyd was from. So Big Floyd was his OG. And um, I didn't know Big Floyd personally. I'm almost certain I've been around him before, but I didn't have, like, a direct relationship with him. But I see a lot of pain and suffering in the eyes of, of good friends of mine. And um, and obviously a kinship with him, you know, him being from Houston, him being a, a, a black man in America. And so it's it's rough, man, you know, cause I've, I've been here before. You know, I've, I've been in these situations before having to stand on the front line to ask for justice in cases like this. And, you know, it's, it, you know, America, man, it's, it's America's a motherfucker, you know? Um, it's just crazy right now, bro. It's crazy. But I'm 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 glad that that I'm in a position to 
stand on the front lines and fight the good fight right now. Um, tomorrow, Bun, uh, Tuesday, June 2nd at 3 p.m., there's going to be a march to City Hall in Houston. And if anybody wants to uh, be a part of that, the details are on Bun's Instagram. Um, having been up to Minnesota and then back down to Houston, um, I think it was just a few days ago. It's, it's hard to tell the time. Uh, can you describe the mix of hurt and the power of community and the pride in being black that you have found in both of those cities? I think you just said it, man. I mean, you know, it's, you know, whenever there's grief, strength helps, you know, and, and numbers help, right? So it's good that we are, you know, joining together all over America, right? To stand against the injustice that killed George Floyd. I think it's, you know, it's somewhat comforting for the Floyd family to see this, right? But then there's also different images that are being projected that it's hard for them to accept right now. Obviously, the the constant visualization of George being murdered is a rough image for them to see. Uh, people, you know, manipulating the narrative is hard for them to see. People trying to co-opt the movement for their own personal gains is hard for them to see. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we are coming together because we want justice. You know, that's that's the primary concern right now. That's the core principle behind what the majority of people are out here marching and protesting for. It's, it's for justice. And I saw it in Minneapolis. I see it here in Houston. I see it in cities all over America. I see the outrage. I see the, the pain. I see the frustration uh, of people in this country. And it's very real. It comes from a very real place. And America is now left to, to deal with this because this country has had many, many chances and many opportunities to right these wrongs and to prosecute the guilty and to instigate reform and change. And police are, are allowed to patrol our cities and the way that the authority that we give to them as police officers has been perverted. And so, you know, until something changes, a significant change, right, which usually only comes through laws and through policy reform, um, this this will consistently happen. Yeah, well, I, I was talking to um, Ernest Wilkins, who's a great writer from Chicago yesterday, and I was like, hey, like, if you have any questions for Bun, like, what what would that be? And he said that he wanted to know what it was like for you to continue to see the same thing happen over and over and over again. You know, like even in my life, I've seen it ever since Rodney King. Um, and so like, what is it? Have you, have you seen progress? Like what, I mean, obviously not like what, what is, what, what, is, what comes to your mind when I say like, what is it like to, to see this over and over again? Well, I'm, I'm glad that I still have my, my natural compassion, right. That I haven't lost my humanity and that I'm not indifferent these kind of things and that I haven't allowed it to in my life uh, in my family's life to be normalized you know I'm glad that these things still affect me deeply I wish that they did exist but I'm glad that when I do see it that I'm immediately disturbed I'm immediately pissed off and I'm immediately finding ways to try to be a part of change and affect change in this country so I mean, that's kind of what it's like. You're constantly reminded over and over again how you're looked at by certain people in this country. Um, 
and how much more we have to do uh, to affect change in this country, right? I mean, I, 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 when I see these things, I immediately think to my grandchildren, um, as I'm sure my grandparents did and their parents and so forth. And you just try to figure what is it that I can do to try to help ensure that the next generations, both my blood kin and, you know, everyone, right, doesn't have to go through this kind of stuff. And it, it, it's it's frustrating, but I'm always willing to put myself on the front line. I'm glad to have uh, my brother, Trader Truth, you know, who's always willing to put himself on the front line for these kind of things. And, you know, it, it, it is, it's rough to watch. It's rough to see. But, I mean, as, as long as there's a good fight to fight, I'm willing to fight it. Bun, how has anxiety uh, shown itself over the last week for you or your loved ones? It's frustrating. I think that's the key thing, right? Because I want my family to be able to move through this world and be afforded the same freedom as everyone else. But then, you know, I have to have these different conversations. You know, with my son, um, my son, who is a, a father of black children, literally, it just occurred to him this weekend, like this Friday, as I was out traveling. And, uh, you know, he reached out. He told me how proud he was of me that I'm always trying to do the right thing in this country and represent well, and, you know, not just talk to him about these things, but show him action. But um, he really just came to the realization that as the father of black children in America, that one, his children may not be allowed to progress in this country, but then also, and this was the one that was deeply upsetting for him, that his children could be hurt or killed simply for being black. And um, it was hard to hear him speak that truth and come to that level of realization. And, you know, that's something that, unfortunately, all black parents have to come to terms with at some point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, who was the person who, or, or, or people who, who inspired you to be on the front lines all the time? Like, when, when you were growing up, like, who, who got you to be political? No one, actually, this, you know, this just became my common concern. You know, my parents, you know, were, they were, their thing was just really to be unemployed. I mean, just to be employed, right? And to be able to provide for us. And, you know, my parents weren't necessarily as educated as they would have liked to have been. My mom eventually went back and got her high school diploma. But, um, no, in, in my house, it was just like, it was just always just be, be careful and be aware. Right. That's, you know, that's something that becomes a conversation in all black households at some point in America. And so it wasn't necessarily a, um, a thing that made me see someone and be like, you know what, I'm going to do that. If anything, it would have been, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s hip hop. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd be wrong if I didn't say it probably came from a Chuck D. <laughs> Quite honestly, you know, yeah, that's where a, a lot of levels of awareness of the black condition in America for people around this country came from. Right. You're right. Thank God that hip hop has always been the voice of our community uh, to make us aware of different things happening. And uh, so if, to be you know, painfully honest, it would have been, you know, Chuck D or X-Clan, Poor Righteous Teachers, uh, maybe Ice Cube. And some of these other people who have always been extremely conscious 
and have tried to use hip hop as a platform for empowerment and uh, giving you a frame of reference for engagement if necessary. Bun, when you go up to Minnesota um, and you stand alongside um, everyone at that press conference, what um, were you looking to uh, add to the conversation and what did you leave there with having heard such powerful voices? Well, I knew that there were people who had a specific agenda and specific messages that they wanted to get out. And it wasn't necessarily my platform, right? It wasn't my press conference. So I didn't go there to speak and be heard and be seen. Like, I'm not doing this for clout or whatever. Uh, my, primary, my primary reason for going to Minneapolis was to stand shoulder to shoulder with Steven Jackson and make sure that um, I held him down in that moment. But then also to go into the inner cities, like, you know, first thing we did, we left the airport, we went to Cup Foods, we went to that community. And I think um, seeing people that they know um, care is important, you know. Um, I'm looked at it with a certain level of reverence in the black community. Um, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm looked at as an OG, but then also I'm looked at as someone who cares and who um, consistently tries to be on the front line for these issues. And so um, I think, you know, it's good that they can see someone who, you know, speaks to them on every other issue in life, be with them at their lowest moment. If you're going to be out here calling yourself an OG, then when things happen to the young G's in this country, you better be on the goddamn front line, like point blank period, or you don't deserve this. You don't deserve that moniker and you don't deserve the accolades afforded to you by being looked at as an OG. I got a lot of young dudes that looked at me for business inspiration, personal inspiration, um, and on some levels, even a spiritual inspiration. And so it's important for me to reassure them that they're not wrong about the way that they look at me and the, the esteem that they hold me in. I try to earn that every day of my life. Yeah, you said in um, one of your Instagram posts that you took uh, up north, um, you you and Trey and Maizan, and you said, uh, we go where we're needed. And um, when you, when you hear the stories from the people who were on the ground there with you, what is the prevailing message that, that you heard in that, that hurt and, uh, and, and just down city right now? You go to Minneapolis and you listen to these people talk, there, there's a, a, a pain that, that's kind of built up because these people have had several murders of people of color at the hands of the police in their community. And not only have these people not been arrested, not being charged, and the family's not been given justice, but these police officers are still allowed to patrol the streets to this day. So they are aware that there are police officers that patrol their communities that have already killed. And they see these police officers still in uniform, still patrolling their neighborhoods, and they're wondering who's gonna be the next person to be killed by these murderers, you know? And it's frustrating. There was a young lady when we pulled up in Minneapolis was talking about how her cousin was killed and that he didn't get any justice. And now they're looking at another killer cop potentially about to get away with murder again. And they're tired of it. They're sick of it. And you know, I feel their pain and I'm proud to stand with them in this moment and to be a part of the struggle for justice in this country. You know, 
you know, my life, it, you know, as a younger person, my life was rough. And I've been able to, you know, have a good life, you know, have a good career, good earning power, whatever. But I will never look look away from people who came from the same conditions that I came from and live still live day to day in the conditions that I live in. And I'm constantly reminded that just because... I may live in a different neighborhood and be in a different tax bracket that I'm still not looked at by people as less than. I'm constantly reminded of that in certain situations and circumstances. And so I stand in solidarity with victims of injustice, uh, victims of crimes perpetrated on them, have been given authority in their communities. And until something serious changes, I'm going to continue to stand with them. I feel like the, the, you know, obviously police presence and police murders um, have been, are, are such a huge issue, but it doesn't just stop there. Um, I think that we're seeing that not only is this a, that this is also a socioeconomic issue. This is also a, a um, an industry by industry issue. I think that, that you know, this, this extends so far beyond everything. The music industry is trying to fix whatever inequalities there are in in small ways. I was wondering what you think in the music industry um, needs to be fixed and can be addressed starting on Tuesday with this whole like the, the movement must be paused. Well, I think they, that music you know companies, record companies, entertainment companies need to look at their hiring practices and they need to look in the at the way in which people of color and minorities are allowed to rise internally, right? They have to look at the structure of their companies and see who's in position where, right? And if there have been instances in which, you know, their internal systems may have failed us, right? Um, because the best person and the most qualified person for the job doesn't always get the job, right? And sometimes it's racial, sometimes it's gender, right? Sometimes it's identity. And so I think, you know, these entertainment companies need to, you know, take a step back and really look at, at the fact that one, you know, we, we talk a good talk, but have we walked it, right? Like we say what we don't agree with and what we stand against, but how does this company actually live by the words that they speak internally? And so everybody's got to kind of take a look back and really take a, a, take a step back and really look at what they've actually done to help the situation, right? Because it takes more than just a tweet or a post, right? It takes action, right? So everyone has to, you know, look at, at their companies, look at their hiring practices, look at how people have been allowed to move up the ladder internally and check themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you, uh, or do you expect people to use their voice uh, across the business and the industry? Well, I think if you have a platform and you care, then you should be vocal right now, right? I think you should, you know, scream from the rooftops about this this kind of injustice. Um, because, you know, you may be sitting pretty now, but you could at any day, right, be pulled over and have a bad um, interaction with the police or people of authority and have everything just go downhill from there. You know, um, you see many instances where people of influence and celebrities, you know, get pulled over by the police 
and try to lean on their respective privileges, right? And, you know, it's the whole idea of don't you know who I am kind of a thing. And they realize in that moment that that doesn't help you. Obviously, uh, a lot has revolved around um, the, the, the video um, of the murder, but uh, I think what has not been um, talked about enough is um, how the family's doing. Have you been around them? Have you been, um, you know, able to assess uh, generally how they're doing and and how they're grieving in this 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 time where where I think that the attention goes so many different places. It's hard to just let go and and take it all in, you know, as a loved one. Well, you have to keep in mind how fresh this wound is, right? Like this just happened, right? So this isn't a family that's been fighting for months for justice. I mean, these people are still very deep in the grieving process, right? And so that's why it's important for us to stand in the gap for them, as we would say, right? Like, because they're not able to work through their grief all the time in order to voice you know, their frustration with the situation. So it's important for us to be there and be a conduit from them to the world about the fight for justice. Because, you know, his brother has been trying to do a good job of speaking to it and speaking for him, but becomes overcome with emotion, right? As most of us do in the moment. And even with Steven Jackson, that was my point of being there for him because he's so close to this situation that, the more he thinks about it and the more he sees it, he just becomes overcome with grief. So this is still a very, very tender subject for this family. Like they don't even have the body. They still don't have his body yet, you know? So it's still very, they're still very much in the moment, right? And who's to say that they will ever get over this pain. But right now the wounds are still very fresh for them. The blood isn't clotting for them right now. And so, you know, just out of respect, right? I am more than willing to help them shoulder the responsibility of fighting for justice for George Floyd right now. I think we all need that because I remember when my brother died that I I think of all the different, you know, entertainers and public figures and, you know, fans and reporters and bloggers and all these different people who showed their compassion and their humanity and stood with me in my lowest moment. So I feel obligated to do that for other people if I, if at any means I can. And, but this should go without saying, but I, I think that it, with the added, um, just, uh, weight of a global pandemic on top of all of this for you to go out there and take care, but also stand shoulder to shoulder, um, is, you know, should be saluted. And I think that, you know, those people who are out marching, those people who are out, uh, you know, giving hugs, uh, those people who are out, um, you know, taking a stand and doing something while there is this pandemic going on should be saluted. So, um, you know, love to all of you. Thank you. I, I think there's a, I think there's a safe and a smart way to do this, right? Like I can engage in this space without having to compromise my safety. Right. So there's no, there's no sector of this, that involves me being vocal, being active, being in the scene and of the moment that doesn't allow me to still be safe, right? right? Because I, I go and I leave and like for me to get to Minneapolis, I had to take two flights to get there and two flights to get back, Yep. right? 
So that's sharing a lot of space, intimate space, um, with different people during a time where there's a, a virus that's very prevalent in our society. And so obviously I have my hand sanitizer, I have my gloves, I have my mask, I have all these different things that are still afforded and available to me to protect myself while I still go out and fight this fight. But make no mistake about it, I'm not going to let something like this stop me from being active in this moment because more people have died at the hands of lynching, at the hands of the Ku Klux Klan, at the hands of police brutality um, in America than have died of COVID. So I feel like the odds um, in terms of the interactions with people who don't see me as an equal are, are far greater than the level of interaction that I have. Because I could have this glove and mask on and still be, as you can see by video, still be attacked by the police and have rubber bullets shot at me. Yep. So while it might protect me from a virus, it doesn't protect me from racism. Right. Yeah. Um you spoke about Steven Jackson. Um, Jack is somebody that is from Port Arthur, Texas, uh, someone you've known yes. for a long time that you are, you've always been proud of and always, uh, you know, uh, shown a spotlight on him and appreciated his rise in whatever business he was in, whether that was the NBA or now uh, with, you know, the media and the podcast and everything. But uh, what have you seen from, from Steven Jackson in what could be his lowest time uh, standing tall? I... I tweeted him, um, I want to say Wednesday night, I believe it was Wednesday night. And I mean, I tweeted him, I texted him, sorry, Wednesday night. And I told him like, cause I've known Jack since he was a teenager, right? He grew up two, two houses down the street. I mean, two blocks down the street from me. And I told him, I, cause I'm very well aware of his life, his struggle and everything he's done to get where he is and everything he's been through. Um, both the good and the bad. And I told him, I, I, I told, and he actually posted it on his Instagram. I told him that everything you've been through, everything you've seen and everything you've done has prepared you for this moment. So you have everything that you need to go out there and stand up for, for Big Floyd. And I'm so proud of the fact that from day one, like literally from hour one of him seeing what happened to his brother, that he was determined to stand up for him and to demand justice for him. And I've seen him go through sleepless nights. I've seen him exert every ounce of energy that he's had till he literally couldn't go anymore. And I'm so proud of him in this moment, you know, and that at his lowest emotionally, physically, he still soldiers on. And I couldn't ask for any more of him than what he's showing me right now. What is, what is the meaning of like a good ally right now? A good ally is someone who is not just professing that they're not racist, but that they're anti-racist, right? It's someone who will stand up for what's wrong in this country at the risk of monetary loss or career compromisation, right? Um, and, you know, here's I'll be very honest, right? Because I would never ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do, right? So I'm a celebrity star person of influence you could label it however you want to label it right but because of the fact that i'm bun b the rapper from ugk there's a level of privilege that i'm afforded in this country now keep in mind i had to work very hard to gain this and earn this privilege but it's privilege nonetheless right i get to cut the line when i'm trying to go into somewhere right i get a good table reserved at a restaurant there, there are stores that when the new jordan or something comes out right they'll hold me a pair. those kind of things right but in this moment, I'm proud to step from behind that privilege 
and stand on the front line with people, right? I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge my privilege, even though it's earned, I'm willing to acknowledge my privilege and to not hide behind it in moments like this in America, right? So I don't understand why people who are born with the privilege that I had to work very hard to earn aren't strong enough to step from behind their privilege, right? So anyone that is taking the time to be aware of what's happening, acknowledging what's happening, and willing to step from behind their white privilege to stand on the front lines with us is, is, is you know, is considered an ally to me. It's considered a brother in arms to me right now. I think it's very important that all people of all walks of life and all races and all colors and all genders, and no matter what you identify as, stand in solidarity with people who are being oppressed right now. Bun, when you, when you move even throughout your city, right, where you've lived and you can, you know, drive around and, and, you know, when things are open, go eat wherever you want. Do you move now with your head on a swivel? Is it, is it ratcheted up to the point where, you know, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop? Guys, just to be painfully honest, I'm a black man in America. I live with my head on a swivel. That's my normal. And so that's why I fight so hard because I don't want this to be my children's normal or my grandchildren's normal. This is every waking moment of my life. I have to be constantly aware that something can happen to me simply for being black in America. So I live with my head on that swivel. I've come to terms with that. I've made my peace with that, but I won't sit by idly and allow that to be the normal of my family. And if there's anything that I could do to help them avoid that in their life, that's what I'm willing to do. I would gladly give my life right now if George Floyd is the last person of color to be killed by a police officer on the street. I would gladly give my life right now to ensure that my children and grandchildren have a fair shot to to achieve and progress in this country and not be held back because of the color of their skin. I'd lay it down right now. You can print up the Bumby Rest in Peace t-shirts right now if that was the case. And so that's why I'm on the front line. Because what good is being Bun B if I can't use that to help other people, specifically my family? What good is that being a black man in this world if you're not willing to fight the fight for all black people, for all people who are looked at as less than in this country? It's not worth being here if that's the case. I don't want to live in America, but I have to live in America. But I would die if guaranteed the right, if guaranteed that my children and grandchildren would not live in that America. Because there are so many millions of people who died before me to allow me to sit first class on an airplane and to be on a stage entertaining tens of thousands of people and selling millions of records and all of these other things that have been afforded to me because of the struggles and, and sacrifices of people before me. This is the moment for my generation to finally sacrifice our our comfort our comfortable comfortability I don't know what the right word is in the moment right but this is the moment right that we will look back on our generation and say what did you do what were you doing when this was happening in America what did you sacrifice what did you give up and I'll be honest my generation has not had a lot of opportunities to do that right we've lived very comfortable lives we have 72 inch tvs and playstations and we get to live in the suburbs and buy luxury cars 
and wear all these name brand clothing and all of that, right? So we've had very comfortable lives, right? Which is based off the burden and the sacrifice of those that lived and stood before us. So we stand on the shoulders of greatness. And now it's our turn. It's our turn to stop being selfish and sacrifice so that our children can have a better life and maybe not have to work as hard and live with their head on a swivel as we have. In this time, do you think that, you know, because I, I see like the crowds that have been outside um, and I think right. I think that they're more um, diverse than I've ever seen um, to, you know, to whatever degree that's good or bad. Because um, I think that a lot of white people are exploiting the moment and um, and you can see that on any news station. But I'm wondering if you think the message is getting through more now than ever. Absolutely. Excuse me. Absolutely. Because you've always, people have had an excuse to not get involved when there was no video, right? Because you can always lean on the fact, well, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. So I'm not going to judge anybody, right? I'm not going to say what happened, right? Maybe that guy did try to take that policeman's gun. Maybe he did fight back, right? So, but now you have evidence, right? Indisputable evidence of what crime was committed and under what circumstances because remember when this was first told to us it was that there was a confrontation between george and the police that we hadn't seen right but now we have all these different video um all this different video footage afforded to us now right thank god for the propensity of video phones and security cameras in this country right and because and and, and people and people who are standing there actually videoing off their phones as well who are policing the police right that's yeah. what i'm saying the yeah, yeah, yeah. Of these camera phones in this country right so it's indisputable evidence of the crime that was committed against him and when people actually see right because people hear about black people being assaulted and murdered by the police all the time right but sometimes it's just a conversation and sometimes it's just a statement but when you actually see a man be murdered and well actually i'll take that back when you see a man be tortured and murdered as people around the world have seen this video of george floyd it is indisputable about what happened in that moment and so then you have to ask yourself how indifferent will you allow yourself to be right like what excuses can you make now for that interaction there are none there is no there's no dispute about this we've all seen it so then you have to ask yourself do I care, right? And how much do I care? And what am I willing to do about that? And that's why you see a more diverse group of people being activated by this heinous act now more than ever. Because some, you know, people look at that and their humanity kicks in, their compassion kicks in, and they just feel obligated as a human being, you know, just wondering like, what if that would have happened to me? And for some people they realize that it probably would never happen to them, right? But the fact that their humanity and their compassion doesn't allow them to turn their heads when they see it happen to someone else is why we have people in the streets and the numbers and the level of diversity that we see today for George Floyd. Yeah, I and mean, keep in mind, George Floyd is this is the camel is the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Right. But but we're also out there for Ahmaud Arbery. Yes. We're out there for Brianna. Yes, right. Yes. We're out there for Eric Garner and Tamir Rice, and we're out there for Philando Castile, and we're out there for Michael Brown, and we're out, and we're out there for Trayvon Martin, yes. and all these other different victims, right? We're, that, there, that, there's a, a building up 
America that has been boiling over, right? And that's now you see kind of what's happening. And yes, there are people that are co-opting this for their own personal reasons and their own personal gains. And that happens all the time, right? We're aware of that, right? But I've talked to different friends. Like I know Nikki Diamonds. I know, um, you know, Ronnie Feige. You know, I know the guys at Flight Club. I know the Derek that owns Sneaker Politics. Um, you know, I know James Bond that owns Undefeated. I know uh, Bobby Hundreds. Yep. I thought right? Bobby's post and was incredible, Don, by the way. And Don C. Have you seen Don C's post? I saw I saw a few. Some Instagram stories yeah. that Don put up. Right, right. And Don's like, yo, if this is what it takes for them to get this pain out of them, he's like, I would have opened the doors and let you take everything you want. You didn't, you didn't even have to break the glass or, or force your way in. If I would have known that this is what you felt you needed to do to deal with the anger and frustration of your condition in this country, I would have gladly opened my doors and let you take this shit, right? None of the people that I've talked to, and again, I felt a certain way when I saw some of my friends' properties being, being broken into and their things being stolen. I felt a certain way. But then as I talked to them, none of them put possessions over people. Right, and it I, gave me a, an entirely different perspective of this right now. Yeah, you I know, mean, like me I, personally, would I have would I riot today? Would I loot today? No, but would twenty year old Bun be out there? Probably so. You know, just to be painfully honest, twenty year old Bun is not as reserved and calm. Right, I was wild when I was younger, so I probably would have been right there in the streets trying to get me some Jordans or some other shit too. And why is that? Because that's the imagery that's been projected on these young people to to give value to them lives. If you don't have the freshest pair of shoes, you don't have the Yeezys or the new Jordans or some Gucci, right? Or a Dior waist bag or, you know, a fanny pack from, from Louis Vuitton or all the shit that you have no value and you have no work. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, that's, you know, Bobby Hunter said the same thing. It doesn't surprise him that that's the first thing they went for in these moments. Yeah. Um, I right? was speaking specifically about Patagonia um, <laughs> being uh, <laughs> being looted in in uh, Santa Monica. But, yes, I, I thought that Bobby's post especially was uh, was very well worded. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that that's a very um, – it should be such an easy point to make that – uh, people's bodies are way more valuable than than property, and and it's a Wait, you have to you have to remember that we live in a country where people were property, yeah. right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So the the idea of property over people is ingrained in yeah. Existed, yeah, right. That's part of America's legacy. We're looking towards November's election, and I think that that's a very far way off and there's a lot that of work that needs to be done before then. And so I was wondering if any movement or any um, anybody from Biden's campaign or anybody on the Democratic side has reached out to you or to anybody you know to sort of help organize and, and understand, um, you know, what's happening. Yeah, I do know that they're, um, I don't want to name names because I don't want to put their business out there because they'll, they'll put the message out themselves when the time comes but i do know of of one particular individual and you can draw your own conclusions who has gone above and beyond to put himself out there and use his power and his position to better people's movements and people's lives out here Um, he's a very high-ranking member of the hip-hop community he's not an executive well he is an executive but he's also an artist as well and i know that he's had this conversation 
with Joe Biden, you know, as he does with other people of power when oppression shows itself in America. And he's demanding certain things now, right? And there's a very legitimate argument about the way that the black vote is being negotiated. And some say, um, you know, putting a price on the vote. And everybody doesn't necessarily agree with that, right? But at the same time, we need to make sure that, and, and, and this election might be a bit of a throwaway, right? Because I don't know if we really are in a position to ask something of one candidate and then say, well, if you don't do this, we're not going to vote for you. I don't think we're in a position to argue that right now. I think we all understand that if we don't get behind Joe Biden, whether we agree with it or not, right? Because we weren't necessarily sold on Hillary Clinton, right? But the idea of negotiation, right, and the possibility of compromise definitely lies with one candidate in this election more than the other, right? And all we want and all we ask for is a seat at the table to be heard, right? To present our agenda, to be heard, and to have certain things recognized and acknowledged, and hopefully um, be in a position to negotiate for us to have a better situation in this country, right? Yeah. So we, you know, we already understand that Trump is not going to sit at the table with us and negotiate these things. Not unless we come to him um, in a in a manner of deference, right, and submission. That's the only way you even get a seat at the table with him. But that doesn't mean that you're actually going to be heard, right? It, it ends up becoming more of a photo opportunity for him to say, hey, look what I did kind of a thing. But I haven't seen any real change be affected by people who've sat down and asked for things, right? There's been a couple of people um, released from prison, and that's a beautiful thing. I get that. But there's still many more things that need to be addressed in in terms of the black condition and the condition of people of color in this country. Uh, But there are people in this hip-hop community who do have the power to get the attention and get the ear of different people um, of influence in this country, and they're definitely doing that, and they're stepping up to the table. And I commend that individual with the highest regards. Yeah. Um, you know, is there any, uh, you know, we, we all, we, the three of us know, um, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of other people who are listening know that the importance of local elections as well. I was wondering if you knew any local candidates in Texas, especially who, um, who might be able to help flip that and, and, and put together some progressive values. Well, I mean, that was a big part of me getting behind Beto, Beto's run for the Senate because he was running against Ted Cruz. I thought that was a good fight to fight. Um, and obviously these things start on a local level. Killer Mike talked about this very eloquently in his speech in Atlanta, right? If you don't like the way that your district attorney um, has been prosecuting cases in your city, vote his ass out. If you see racist judges who don't give the people that sit in front of them an opportunity to speak their truth, to fight their cases, and are getting sentences that are above and beyond um, the need in their circumstances, then you vote those judges out. If you see city council people who manipulate their power, um, being on city council, to allow people to come into certain communities and take over and gentrify those communities, vote those city councilmen out, right? Because the only way you get to where we have a viable candidate for presidency is if we start at the bottom. You know, Joe Biden started with city council. 
and worked his way all up, all the way up to vice president and potentially the president of the United States. So we have to start at the local level so that those people who win city council seats can eventually become mayors, who can eventually become state reps, who can eventually become maybe a state senator, and then possibly a viable candidate for the president of the United States. Um, I know that we've talked about it before. I know that you've been asked a zillion times over the years. Um, but is there any part of you now that sees a future in politics? I don't want to say no, because that you know there's always a possibility in my future. But one of the main reasons for running for public office is to use the resources afforded, afforded to holding those positions to affect change in your community, whether that's for a good thing or a bad thing. I, because of my privilege and my notoriety, have a set of resources available to me right now that allow me to engage people, ignite people, and help affect change in my community without having to hold a public office and be held to a certain level of scrutiny or be emboldened or be beholden to certain individual campaign donors and the likes, right? Yeah. But in the future, if the office presented to me carries a different set of resources that can help my community and my people, all people have a better life in this city, I would be remiss to just turn my back on that, right? Regardless of whether or not I would feel comfortable in that position. Because a lot of these jobs of, of public service are thankless, right? So if you're going to run for public office, it should be because you want to, not just because you can. Right. Because, you know, we've had, you know, wrestlers become yeah. governors. Yeah, right. Yeah. And now we have now we have a reality show personality as the president of the United States. Right. Who's right. not even a good Acting wrestler. Yeah. A, yeah, yeah. Right. And he was, it wasn't even the best show. <laughs> I know. No. <laughs> I, 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 I think maybe Jeff Probst would be a better <laughs> candidate for president. But that's the reality, right? Don't People shouldn't run for public office because they can, right? Because right. a lot of times these things these things can be turned into a popularity contest, yeah. right? And about who looks better on TV and that kind of shit. And that's that's not what holding public office should be about at all. Yeah. But um, I, I don't want to I don't want to ever say never, right? Because you know, if if I see that there's a, a, a force of evil, right, running for office and I'm in a position to actually run for that same position and offset that type of situation, what kind of person would I be if I turned my back on that? You know, this is such a dark time for everyone. Um, and you being in the middle of all of it, uh, I can imagine that there's no room for light. So I was wondering if there's anything that is providing levity in your life or if it's just like fuck that i'm angry now and i i feel hurt and you're diving into those sort of emotions um music has always been my retreat right so thank god for alfredo right now oh my that's god kinda, that's that's been my thing so i'm very happy that the um the you know the the the, the collaborative album between alchemist and freddie gibbs dropped when it did yeah. because now when I do get a chance to sit back and relax you know I can listen to good music right but then also I look at my grandkids playing and it reminds me of what I'm fighting for it re-energizes me right and I look at them because they're kids all they want to do is play right and make TikTok videos and they <laughs> should be able to do that that's all they should be able to have to worry about right now 
yeah. making good grades, right? So they're not punished and that if they can get an allowance or they can get different things that they want and making harmless TikTok videos. That's all children should be worried about right now. And there is a group of children who, unfortunately, that's all they have to worry about, right? There are a lot of white children in America who don't have the same issues that children of color have. Because when a black child sees George Floyd being murdered by the police, they look at their parents and they say, why is that happening to us? But when a white child sees that on television, they look to their parents and they say, why is that happening to them? Yeah. So there's already a disconnect in the American condition. And I would love to be a part of the change of that. I think that that no one who who watched any of the uh, civil rights movement uh, in grainy black and white footage uh, would think that as we got into the year 2020, it would still be going on. I, I don't think that when when hip hop started um, that in the year 2020, they they would think that uh, it has become the dominant uh, force that it is in, in terms of culture where it's it is pop culture. Um, and at that crossroads. Right now sits Bun B, sits Trey the Truth, sits Killer Mike, sits a whole bunch of people who have uh, taken on this this superhero, supernatural uh, stance to uh, carry the voice for so many. Um, so number one, thank you for, for being the leader that you are. And, and thank you to everybody who has been speaking up and, and, uh, and speaking for so many. But number two, did you ever think that that you would be there in this year in that role? Well, I mean, no, I mean, I didn't. I, I would have hoped not to be here because too many people died in the hopes that we wouldn't have to live through that. But because of the fact that we are here, I have to be willing to give that same commitment and that same level of sacrifice for the generation that comes after me. Right. Because. That's what it's all about. Like once you're no longer young and you now have a different set of responsibilities and different people that look to you for different things. And once you become a parent and once you become a grandparent and so on and so forth, your perspective shifts drastically. And life tends to stop being about you and starts to be about them. And there's no parent that wouldn't jump in front of a bullet for their children. Very few, if any. And that's the level of commitment that we have to have. And that's the angle that we have to operate from, right? Because the, the dynamic has shifted, right? When I was young and then I w it was just about me and only I were responsible for the things that I did, I didn't give a shit about a lot of stuff in life. But now I'm responsible for other people, right? Not just fi financially, um, but also morally and spiritually. And so that perspective and that shift has to change. It's extremely important because I would not want my children to grow up with an indifference to injustice. So I can't just talk to them about it. I feel it's very important that I show them by example. Because kids are good listeners, but they're great imitators. Have you met John Lewis, Bun? No, no, I have not. I haven't been in the same space with him, unfortunately. Mm. Even though we do share the same barber, I assume. <laughs> You know, listen, Bun, you know, I, I just want to, on behalf of my brother and myself, just just thank you so much for taking the time with us today. I know it's a, an incredibly heavy time. Um, we will get through it together. Um, Bun, we, we love you. We appreciate you. 
Um, we do say this often, but we mean it more now than ever. Stay safe out there and um, just, you know, stand tall and uh, and thank you, Bun. Look, I just want to say that I've, you know, been able to develop uh, a very long and strong relationship with you guys. You've always made your platform available to me and I've always appreciated it. I appreciate and value your friendship very dearly. And I'm so proud to have you guys, not just as friends, but as allies out here. Thanks, Bon. Well, thank you for listening to our dumb questions about... Uh, <laughs> about the music is dumb. The questions are <laughs> yeah. the music. The music is dumb, if we're going to be honest here. Bun, we love you and, and thank you. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's the Real. Jeff, if you want to find out more about us, I'm Eric with the curly hair. You are Jeff with the glasses. Together, we are It's the Real, no apostrophe, no spaces. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's the Real. And we have over 300 and something episodes of really, really solid conversations. Um, yeah, talking about people's lives, talking yeah. about people's ups, people's downs. And sometimes just having a talk with someone that is just real shit. It's not about their journey or anything. It's just getting to what needs to be said. And um, this is the place for those conversations. And the cool thing is that they're evergreen and they live online wherever you search. It's the real. So if people want to find out more about what's going on with us, Jeff, where can they go? You can always find us at it's the or on Twitter at it's the real or on Instagram at it's the real. Uh, I'm also on TikTok, but I haven't like made anything. That's a weird thing to promote. But like we're there. It's it's the we? real. It's, well, I'm there. It's wow. the real. It's the real. <laughs> um, I haven't, again, I haven't done anything. Are you still on Facebook? I deleted my Facebook. Congratulations. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the future. Yeah. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Listen, shout out to everybody who's just putting their best foot forward and making it through another moment, another day, another week. Um I'm glad you're doing it with us, and I'm glad we're here for you guys. So uh, love to everyone out there. As always, Jeff, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week.